and welcome to the 64th episode of the Brick House Podcast. I'm Bob Johnson. And I'm Matt Baker. Bob, by the basically by the release of this podcast, Summer League will be over. Right. What do we do then? Because we won't have, we'll have a few Olympic games, I guess, but NBA basketball is pretty much shut down for three months or so after this. Yeah, we're about to go into uh, serious withdrawals, if mm-hmm. that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Jeremy Lin has trademarked the name Brooke Lin. Brooke okay. hyphen L-I-N. Sure. Reminder to our listeners, Jeremy Lin is a Harvard graduate, and uh, he said, you know, if Brooklyn Nets want to use Brooklyn Nets, go ahead. You know, they're free to do that. Right. I wonder if they Jeremy Lin would actually get trademark money if they were to use that, though. Brooklyn. Okay. Brooklyn. Okay. You know, this Hall of Fame class is going to be amazing with Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. Uh, going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Definitely. But there's another player that may join them. It's rumored that Kevin Garnett is contemplating retirement ahead of his 22nd season. I read the quote said he would really like to come back for 82 more games of yelling at Zach Levine, but he doesn't <laughs> know if his body can handle it. That's the that's the quote I read. Uh Oh, wait, no, his knees. Sorry. I, I, I got that mixed up. It would be tough with him as an executive, too. If he had to wear a tie, that might actually hinder his you know throat's projection <laughs> yeah. ability. Yeah. He did say that he really would like to join the team because he expects them to be in the playoffs this upcoming season. Right. But he's not sure if he can, to which the reporter said, what does that mean? To which Garnett said, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, last year, he averaged just 3.2 points, 3.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists, and 38 games for the Timberwolves. And he is under contract this upcoming season for another $8 million. I'm not too good on former Hall of Fame classes, to be honest, but you would think Garnett, Kobe, and Duncan would have to be one of the best there ever has been, right? Probably so. Because there was Stockton and Jordan. Were Stockton in and Jordan, yeah, that's a good one. I'd have to look back. I know Iverson and Yao Ming are going to be together. That's a funny uh, pairing. That's a pretty good, I like that one. Uh, this next segment I'm going to call, it seems like there's been enough time passed that execs and players alike are starting to explain their free agency decisions. <laughs> Just for uh, brevity's sake, we'll yeah. call it that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good quick, quick one. Pat Riley hasn't spoken to Dwayne Wade, but he says he has been crafting a very long email to him, Mm -hmm. and he will send it when it's finished. Good for him. Chandler Parsons was putting Mark Cuban on blast a little bit. His quote to Tim McMahon in this past week, I obviously thought I was going to be in Dallas a lot longer than I was, but it's a business, and Mark has to make decisions. He makes mostly all of them, so this was on him. (laughs) How far we've come from Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons signing a contract in a nightclub. Right. Yeah, you, I wonder if who took Chandler Parsons out for a week-long dinner escapade <laughs> before he broke his heart. Atlanta is probably getting drunk right now after reading an interview that Dwight Howard gave to uh, the Mike and Mike show. He said again just this past week that he did not get the ball enough in Houston. To which this guy, uh, Fegan, on Twitter pointed out that Dwight Howard led the NBA last year in post touches and was second in the NBA in paint touches. Whoa. But he did not get the ball enough last yeah. year. 
How much more does he want it? And of course, you know, Mike Buddenholzer is not famous for throwing the ball and dumping it down into the post, but rather having a pick and roll offense. Right. That Dwight, I read a couple weeks ago, said that he went into that interview with the Atlanta Hawks and was very humble and open to the idea of uh, listening to the coaches, being coached, Mm -hmm. doing whatever necessary it takes to win. Uh, He went on with another interview with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and he said, My back hasn't been an issue, and I don't think I will ever have an issue out of my back for the rest of my career. I'm looking at that quote right now. (laughs) Okay. Not that NBA player has ever gone into a season thinking like, you know what? This season, counting on a back injury. Yeah. You know? I apologize, but during this new contract, I will have a back injury. <laughs> He's going to switch his number to eight. Dwight Howard is here. Yeah, he said it was a biblical reference. I, I'm not familiar with the number eight in the Bible. I know there's a lot of 12s in there from which he switched from. This same reporter asked him about his year on the Lakers and was saying that she read that Dwight was consuming the equivalent of 24 Hershey bars a day in sugar. Yes. And asked him, could that be true? Dwight, he had a hard time in L.A. Maybe this is how he was coping. Yeah. The quote was, I was eating a lot of crazy food back in the day. I've slowed down. But sometimes during the summer, I have those moments I want to eat everything, be a kid again, and I don't realize I'm 30. (laughs) I'm going to eat the right things. I was a big candy guy. It's tough to wean off that sugar. Sodas weren't a problem. The biggest problem were Skittles, Honey Buns, Twix, that kind of sugar I was consuming at a high rate. Yeah. Fail to see the problem here, Bob. (laughs) I have one site here. It says that the number eight in the Bible represents a new beginning, meaning a new order of creation and man's true born-again event where he is resurrected from the dead into eternal life. Oh, I can see why he won't have back problems. You don't have back problems in the eternal life. Yeah. Eight is the number of Jesus whose name in Greek adds up to 888. I guess if... Well, wow, there's... There must be a lot of extra letters in the Greek alphabet. Yeah, there's about 888 of them. <laughs> This next segment is real short, but it's called What Happens When You Give Bradley Beal a Max $130 Million Contract, Matt? What happens, Bob? He starts incorporating samurai training into his off-season workouts. Sure, he signed the deal. He can play with swords. <laughs> uh, the Warriors are chasing $20 million a year for advertising. So, on the Sorry, jerseys. can you repeat that? Oh, okay. $20 million a year for for advertising on the Golden State Warriors jersey. I should have let you finish the sentence before I jumped (laughs) in asking you to repeat it. Yeah, I'm not sure which which Silicon Valley company it's going to be. I assume it'll probably be Apple or uh, Facebook, one of those guys. Mm -hmm. To remind you, to put it in perspective, the Sixers got $5 million a year from StubHub. So we'll see how that goes for the Warriors. This is not for the next season, but the following one. Right. J.J. Redick has been active on Twitter this summer, basically defending Kevin Durant and other free agents' decisions to play where they want and and also saying that the you know people freaking out over the money, they got to put it in the right perspective. Uh-huh. J.J. Redick's all about the perspective here, Matt. So this is what he said about the uh, super team in Golden State. He said, since Miami formed their super team in 2010, there have been five different champs in six different seasons. So all this complaining about competitive balance is trash. Thanks, J.J. Reddick. Thank you, J.J. 
I hope you enjoy losing to the Golden State Warriors for the next 17 seasons. Uh, the Clippers <laughs> just signed Brandon Bass today, so I'm not sure you want to make that claim. Oh, Bob. yeah. Right. The Draymond of Southern California. Patrick Ewing is a author of a children's book. Oh, man. The title, Matt, is called In the Paint. <laughs> of course it's it not is. about having your back to the basket but it is about painting mm-hmm. children's painting book by patrick ewing children's painting book that's uh, correct yeah yeah that that works i when i think of patrick ewing i think of uh i think of that is it a how-to book i haven't bought the book yet it's on my amazon wish list yeah so now you know what to get me for my birthday you know, his Patrick Ewing's ex-wife wrote a fiction novel titled Brick House. So we are now, you know, just a few degrees separated from in the paint. Yeah. We should we should probably bust out some finger paints for uh, one of these episodes. In the book, Ewing reveals that since he had art on his credit card, people have started asking him for paintings as well as autographs, which makes no sense. But we will go with it. Art on his are. credit card? It uh, Because he buys art, people want him to paint art? Recently, I had my art on a credit card. So maybe he had a custom credit card with a picture of his art on it. <laughs> um, I'm also in the paint when I'm off the basketball court. I've loved to paint since I was your age. I like to paint landscapes or outdoor scenes from places I've been or pictures I've seen. I'm a visual person. If I see something, I have to paint it. Which, wow. if you read it in a different tone, that last line could be a little creepy. More of like a I must have you type thing. You know, when I'm handing my credit card to a waiter, uh, you know, they often give me a compliment too. Yeah. One of which that I recognize is completely hollow way to, you know, try and get a bigger tip out of it. And what is that? Well, it, I, you know, it could be anything. Oh, oh, you're not saying something specific. You're just saying yeah, something. Yeah, just like, you did know. you enjoy your meal? Yeah, I did. Here's my credit card. It's like, you have really nice eyes. And yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. I'm giving you an extra $5, mister. Thank you. Bob I Johnson. nice eyes. Bob Johnson. <laughs> I've never met one of those before. Are you of the famed Johnson family? <laughs> yeah, I just find it hilarious that Patrick Ewing is handing his credit card to people, and people are just like, oh, hell, this is... This is very nice. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Great art, or maybe they recognize you're worth millions <laughs> and would like to get some of that. This next section, another quick one. Is Jalen Brown funny or just a crazy MFer? <laughs> Asked if he was going to take some time off after Summer League, Jalen Brown replied, I can rest when I die. Yeah. He's serious. He's fairly young, too, so. <laughs> Won't be dead for a while. Uh, Andre Iguodala was on a radio show, The Breakfast Club, in the Bay Area this mm-hmm. past week. Um, and he said, Now that KD's on the team, I can finally admit that the Thunder were the best team last year in the league in the playoffs. They were better than us. They were better than Cleveland. They were the best team in the playoffs. They should have won a championship. Which is really... Like taking a 50-pound bag of salt, cutting yeah. it open, and dumping it all over the wounds of Oklahoma City fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that's going to help them sleep a lot easier at night. <laughs> that's a heck of a uh, 
mental screw job there he's trying to play on him if that's how it's going. Next segment, Phil Jackson, Idea Factory. <laughs> Phil Jackson's full of ideas. Here's his latest. They include the four-point line, as well as extending the shot clock from 24 to 30 seconds okay. to match the college game clock. Phil will give you his reasons why. Quote, why not have a four-point line about 35 feet out? It wouldn't be long before players will get reasonably comfortable shooting from out there. And having a four-point line would certainly serve to enable teams to catch up in what are now blowout games. And as the 30-second shot clock, this would give offenses more time to get low-post players involved, make defenses work harder, and encourage more passing and player movement. Matt, do you think the 30-second shot clock is a way to make the triangle more relevant, perhaps? A way uh, to get low post players more involved. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I mean, if you give Steph Curry six more seconds, so he's not. It's not going to change. It's not going to change shooting teams at all. And the four point line is not going to change them, and because he, he's just going to keep shooting four pointers. So I, I don't know if that gets. It might. No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it will get low post players more involved. But Phil Jackson is keeping himself uh, and his quotes in the media, no matter what. I mean, they don't even have to be good quotes. People just publish Phil Jackson uh, whenever he opens his mouth. It's the off season, so he's just sitting in Montana, awaiting for random arrivals from Joe Kim Noah. And in summer league, the Sacramento Kings are about as effective as they are in the regular league. Oh man, this year going zero and five. We told you last week that they have 22 players on their roster with only one of them being a point guard, and that point guard who may not be available if he goes to jail for beating his wife. Sure. Uh, the Kings, after they made a trade with your Phoenix Suns, ended up having three first-round draft picks. Yeah. How many guards did they take, Bob? They selected zero guards oh, yeah. in that draft. Uh, however, they did play against the San Antonio Spurs in the Summer League who drafted Deontay Murray at 29. Mm -hmm. Versus the Kings on uh, July 15th, he had 20 points and 9 assists. Yeah. This has got to burn the Kings a little extra, I would hope, if they had any awareness no, they're... of what they missed out on. But they did pass on Deontay Murray with all three of their first-round yeah. draft picks. Including the pick right before that, right? Didn't Including the, the pick right before that where they picked a 6'10 center and decided to play him at point guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> SI's Ben Gulliver, I think, encapsulated in a, this paragraph basically all of our thoughts. So okay. I was going to read it to you. Please. The King's ongoing ability to be terrible in new and strange ways is remarkable. During their opener against the Raptors, Sacramento scored just 13 points in the second and third periods, shot 28%, and had more turnovers, 19, than field goals, 15, or assists, 9, on its way to a 41-point loss in a 40-minute game. Second-round pick Isaiah Cousins, a point guard, was out with a groin injury, and the Kings' imbalanced roster was lacking in backcourt solutions. The loss to Toronto was so bad that Sacramento made a quick, desperate call to David Stockton, the five foot eleven son of Hall of Famer John Stockton, in hopes of adding a little experience and structure at the point guard position. 
Why wasn't Stockton or any other competent point guards on the roster in the first place? Great question. (laughs) Anyway, Stockton, who told Kings.com that he had been sitting at home, working out, getting ready for the upcoming season, deserves a gold star for parachuting into Las Vegas in record time. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to help the Kings help the Kings avoid an 0-4 start. That's what I was thinking is if you're lacking in point guard options on your normal roster, you probably want to have more guards on your summer league team than you do forwards. Was Stockton too good? Apparently he was too good for their team, but why didn't they just have him on there anyway? He clearly would have played because he came at a moment's notice. This You would have thought that this would have been like Willie Cauley Stein's chance to shine for them. Uh-huh. But he had seven, he averaged seven points, five rebounds, and shot twenty six percent from the field. Wow! And this was and it's not like he was one of those guys that only played one or two games, like Booker and Trey Lyles and stuff. He played, I think, four games, five games. Well, Matt, you know what's the position that can really make or break a uh, forward success on a basketball team? A guard, Bob. Yeah, the yeah. point guard to yeah. get him the ball where that he is needs true. To. So if if you're Willie Cauley Stein and you already struggle on offense, if you have no one to get you the ball, it's a bunch of seven footers out there trying to feed each other in the low post. As much as we turn to the summer league for our basketball once the regular season ends, and and try and apply success in the summer league to future success or you know predict how players are going to do in the nba based on how they do in summer league it doesn't always work out that way sure i was looking uh some of the people who were real summer league standouts in the past six or seven years anthony randolph Mm -hmm. i Uh, was i think i was at that summer league really was it like steph curry's first year or second year i I think so i think that draft in 2009 yeah right uh, another other players that were standout, uh, Nicolos Chevelli. Not sure if I'm pronouncing I that right. I think we all remember him, Bob. And Dante Green. Oh yeah, Dante Green was either Kings or Rockets. He, I think summer he, league team. He was both. I think at one point he was traded like three times in the span of a yeah a few days. Yeah. So the at least the leading scores in the Vegas summer league. This summer were Trey Lyles right. is the leading scorer, 29 points per game. Devin Booker, who I don't think will be a fluke. He will, yeah. He's going to be a future star in the NBA. And Jordan McRae was third leading scorer, who's a rookie on Cleveland last yeah, year. Yeah, he played on the Suns a little bit last year, too. Oh, really? Yeah, before signing with Cleveland and riding the bench to that championship. In the Utah Summer League, the three highest leading scorers were all San Antonio Spurs. Really? Kyle Anderson, 23.7. Jonathan Simmons, 22 points per game. And Deontay Murray, 21. Followed by Trey Lyles and Terry Rozier. Wow. The Spurs dominated Utah Summer League, at least statistically. Um, So in the same vein of uh, why we love Summer League but can hardly trust it, came up with some more Summer League fun facts from Draft Express. Yeah. Check these out, Matt. Only two rookie second-round picks have averaged a double-double in the Summer League. Lawrence Roberts, uh, 55th pick in 2005, and Brandon Dawson, the 56th pick from the Clippers in 2015. Neither has ever recorded a double-double in the NBA. Yeah. I think Lawrence Roberts, he was out of Mississippi State, I think, and he... 
think at one point he was supposed to be a, a pretty big prospect that kind of you know fell in his senior year or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it, I don't uh, remember that guy. In 2003, there were three rookies who averaged more points per game than LeBron James. One, Carmelo Anthony, who was the number three pick, mm-hmm. and it just coming off the national championship at Syracuse. Right. Also, Zarko Capercapa, who was the number 17 pick that year. In the year. summer league, you said? Yeah. Okay. Averaged more points than LeBron. Yeah. And Josh Howard, who was the oh, 29th yeah. pick right. that year, started off his NBA career pretty strong he on did. the Mavericks. No rookie number one overall pick has scored more points per game than John Wall's 23.5 points per game mm-hmm. in 2010. Uh, no rookie number one overall pick scored fewer points per game than Derrick Rose's 9.5 in 2009. And Josh Akognon, a 5'11", 26-year-old point guard, averaged 41.9 points per 40 minutes in the 2012 Summer League, which is the highest rate ever. Number seven overall pick, Ben McLemore, did not have a single assist in over 150 minutes of play as a rookie (laughs) during the 2013 (laughs) Vegas Summer League. That doesn't shock me. I like it. Byron Mullins averaged 2.6 rebounds in 20 minutes per game as a 2009 rookie, the fewest for any seven-foot rookie in the summer league. Yeah, I guess Chris Stapps averaged uh, only 3.3 in 21 minutes per game, but that didn't really translate to the NBA as he averaged 10.2 per 40 minutes in in his rookie year. Olden Polonese, who was drafted number eight in 1987, played five games in the 2004 Summer League at age 39. And he had a PER of 7.1. Oof. Uh, Lou Williams averaged more than six turnovers per game in both the 2006 and 2007 Summer Leagues. Eric Bledsoe is the only player to average that many turnovers. And last, Zagana Ja played in the Summer League seven times and shot 33% from the field or worse every time. Oh, man. Zagana Ja, it should be noted, has played in the NBA for 12 seasons. Matt, I've got a quiz for you that pertains to free agents and their salaries. And now here's the host of the Brickhouse Game Show, Bob Johnson. The Chicago Bulls on NBA Reddit put together a list of the top increases in players' salaries and the top decreases. Okay. So for you, Matt, for the game show today, I've got the top 10 increases per year percentage-wise, right? So what you're looking for is who made the biggest leap from last year's pay to this upcoming year's pay. Okay. The top 10 players. We'll see how many you can get, and then we'll go into uh, you know the players who are making less money this year. Okay. I would say Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. He is uh, the third highest increase with a 1,379% increase in pay. Wow. <laughs> um, Alan Crabb. Number two. Yeah. 1,878 or 1,880% increase. Let me, uh, I need to keep note of who I'm guessing here real quick. I know I've Johnson only and Crab, the two guys the Nets offered ridiculous mm. contracts to. Um, I would say that Biombo. 
Biombo didn't make the cut. Okay. I guess he was on the end of his rookie deal, huh? So he would have been all right. I mean, there's a lot of players that that increase their salary by four or five hundred percent. Yeah. These top ten guys, though, just are players who went from a very minimal contract. Oh, the uh, Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple, even him is not is not on there. Oh, as he far wasn't. As percentage increase. Whoa. Yeah. Oh man, this is a lot. This is going to be a lot tougher than I thought. There's there's some crazy jumps from some um, players. Let's see here. Well, think of the guy who was playing at the YMCA a couple years ago, for starters. The guy who was playing at the YMCA? Right, and now is averaging almost four blocks per game in the pros. Oh, yeah, Whiteside. Whiteside. Yeah. Yeah, he's the number one increase. Yeah. Probably the number one increase of all time for a player to go from a minimum deal to the very next year a maximum deal. Yeah, what do, he's making what? Eight hundred thousand last year, and then he's making. Yeah, this year he'll be making twenty three and a half million more than he was last year wow. for a two thousand three hundred and ninety seven percent increase in wow. pay. Wow! Wow! Um, you know, some people get an annual raise of ten percent. Yeah, and are pretty happy with that. Sure. Try two thousand three hundred. Yeah. Who are some of the other minimum minimum guys? Now I'm all in my head. One of them is an Australian guy who's. Compared often to a uh, wallaby or oh, yeah, a Tasmanian Dova. <laughs> what about Boban? Boban, nope. Another guy famous for maybe convincing Steph Curry to join Under Armour and for photo bombing during interviews. Is uh, the newest teammate of candy addict Dwight Howard. Oh, Bazemore. Kent Bazemore. Very yeah. good. Fifteen and a half million dollars more than he was making last Jeez. season. So you got uh, you got half of them now. I'll uh, I'll I'll put you out of your misery. Yeah. Uh, the other players in order: Jordan Clarkson, okay. and eleven point seven million dollars more than last year. That's crazy. I don't even think about him because he was such a contributor for the Lakers that I always forget he's yeah. a, a second round pick. <laughs> You're just thinking of overpaid scrubs. Yeah. A uh, Dwight Powell. Next, oh, yeah. $8.4 million more, 995% increase. John Luer. Oh, yeah, Detroit. former son. Yeah. And then the other last two are Solomon Hill and Etwan Moore from the Bulls got a huge raise. What did Etwan Moore get? Um, whatever it was, it is $7.5 million more than he was making last year. Well, you're still on the Bulls. No. No, he got. He's on the Pelicans now. Yeah, he got offered the Pelicans contract. Hassan wow. Whiteside said he didn't really do anything to celebrate his ninety-eight million dollar contract, other than going to the zoo. So Delavidova celebrated a championship by going to a roller coaster <laughs> park. Do you think Hassan Whiteside brought the San Antonio newspaper article? that offered Tim Duncan free yeah. zoo visits. He just tried to pass himself <laughs> off as Tim Duncan. Or he showed up there. They're just like, didn't you just get a $98 million contract? He's like, yeah, but aren't you going to honor the same thing that the San Antonio yeah. Zoo offered Tim Duncan? Yeah. What do you hate, fucking basketball? Yeah. Uh, Alicia Tizui, a reporter, asked Hassan Whiteside, sorry for butching your name there, that asked Hassan Whiteside what he spends doing the most time on his phone. His answer was really quick. Quote, Snapchat, easy. Loves it. <laughs> Snapchat, easy. So this list that the Chicago Bulls Reddit user put together had a lot of players, obviously, that are making way more money than they were last year. 
but there are only 10 players in the NBA, aside from those who retired, of course, who are going to make less money this coming year than they did last year. Wow. Only 10. Okay. If you can name five of those, I will give you the win here. Zaza Pachulia? Bingo. 2.3 million less, 44% decrease in pay. Okay. Uh, Al Jefferson? Al Jefferson, correct. He's number four on the list. 3.8 million less, 27% pay cut. Dwight? Dwight, no, he got about the same thing. Okay. That he opted out of in Houston. Okay. Let's see here. Would David West be getting less, or he would be getting more? Because it's about the same. I think he took the, the minimum, minimum two years in a row now, which is the same. Okay. Uh, One player is getting less based on a technicality of being banned from the NBA next year. OJ Mayo is just, they counted that just because he's getting less? Yeah, he's getting 100% less than he <laughs> yes. got last year. Yes. <laughs> that, that would make sense. One of them is previously one of the most overpaid players in the NBA. Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, 52% pay cut. Yeah. Um, Another guy used to be Mr. Verticality. Now he's Michael Jordan's punching bag. And um, also must really like uh, Corey Matthews. And Topanga. Oh, because of the <laughs> Boy Meets World. Oh, uh, Hibbert. Yeah. Yeah. Whose Twitter handle, Roy Meets Roy World. Roy Meets World. <laughs> wow. Who else is on that list? Okay. The rest of the guys on the list. Nene Hilario oh, took a right. 77% took... pay cut. Brandon Jennings is playing for only $5 million. That's $3.3 million less or 40% pay cut. Grievous Vasquez took a small... Uh, 24% pay cut. Eric Gordon is playing for he less. He took less. I see. I was going to guess him, but mm -hmm. then I thought I thought there he it's just 2.2 million less, 14.6%. And then the last guy is Chris Humphreys, who is playing for $600,000 less than he did last year. So gotcha. almost the same. But of all the players who are making more money, these are the only ten who are making less. OJ Mayo being that technicality too and, and chris Humphreys being almost identical contract some of those are better than the people who are making way more there bob right yo mama is so fat matt our diss of the week comes from my new favorite basketball website it's brick called, house it's called the brick house podcast yeah, yeah. brickhousepodcast.com right I was going to say, if, is this a trick question? <laughs> it's an up-and-coming site. Our listeners should check it out. This one, we did a round two of our BrickHouse roundtable where mm -hmm. we ask all of our, our BrickHouse analysts for their takes on the, uh, on the summer movements. Right. One of the questions involved what people expect for the Chicago Bulls in the upcoming season. And a friend of the show, Kevin Hirschner, had a great answer that I am giving our Diss of the Week honors to. So exactly what the question was, was the Bulls were adding Wade and Rondo. They lost Noah and Rose. So what do we expect from the Bulls this season? Kevin wrote, by adding Wade and Rondo, this Bulls team immediately becomes the front runner in the East. I can't wait to watch this team. I also can't wait to try this new Instagram app and graduate from college in the spring. Oh, wait. I forgot this isn't 2010. <laughs> <There it is. laughs> 
Uh, clever, clever writing from our Brickhouse analyst. Of course, there's lots of funny stuff in that blog post. I encourage you all to check it out. On the next episode of Brickhouse. This summer, like you said, Matt, we're going to have to uh, start digging deeper into the barrel for some NBA topics, some basketball topics. I've got a few different ideas. Uh, one of them that I'd like to see this summer and have some input from our listeners who can tweet us, tweet at us at BrickHousePod or email us, Bob or Matt, at the brickhouse, at BrickHousePodcast.com is we want to hear and rank the greatest basketball movies of all time. Ooh. So... Send in your thoughts about that. I know, you know, a few of my favorites, of course. And, you know, for the past 10 years, I've really been working just like mentally, kind of like a you know homeless person talks to himself on yeah. a sequel to White Men Can't Jump. Yeah. So please, yeah, tell us what basketball movies you love. Tell us some, uh, some other ideas for some brick house topics, and we'll uh, take all those into account, throw, put them into a uh, lottery ball, and select them completely randomly, just sure. like the NBA does, sure, without any bias. Completely randomly. Before we close out, I have a, a quick answer to the best Hall of Fame year. Oh, yeah, please. I didn't go back too far, but in 2011, artist Gilmore... Arvita Sabonis, Chris Mullen, and Dennis Rodman were all elected. Wow. Uh, but in 2009, Stockton, Jordan, and David Robinson all went in together. That's so that, pretty good. That is pretty good. Dream I, teammates. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's some great ones. One year was Robert Parrish and James Worthy. But it looks looks like a, it's hard to beat Kobe, Duncan, and Garnett, really. Stockton, Jordan, Robinson, or Kobe duncan garnett i would say but what do i know well we'll talk about the hall of fame and and much much more send in your tweets at brickhouse pod review us on itunes leave us some comments it helps a lot please tell your friends we're going to keep cranking out content for your enjoyment and we'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Brickhouse. <laughs> Thank you.